You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. This week we are going to talk about what is on the spinner rack for the DC and Marvel comics. We're going to get into episode 7 of WandaVision, Breaking the Fourth Wall. And then we will do our own little 101 of not one, not two, but three characters that we are being introduced to in the WandaVision television show. So, we have Billy, Tommy... And you know her as Agnes. That's right. So if you haven't watched the newest episode of WandaVision, you're going to want to do that before we get into our 101. Chris, how are you? Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, yeah, no, I was definitely hyped by the episode. Um, I'm excited about the characters we're going to talk about. Um, and every time I hear Agnes, I want to hear it in a very deep Scottish accent. Agnes! <laughs> I think that would be great to make the show even better. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of cool stuff to check out, and uh, always, always a pleasure talking comics with you, my friend. Then let's get right into that spinner rack. What is new on this new comic book day? All right, so let's turn our attention to this Tuesday at your local comic shop because DC Comics will be dropping off all their brand new stuff. So we have a brand new Batman Black and White Volume Three. Uh, now, if you just want some beautiful black and white art featuring batman and some one store like one and done stories then this is definitely the volume to check out uh as i'm taking a look at some of these covers here i really like the uh, joshua middleton cover i think that's very awesome just a you know that cape winged out flying action of batman um definitely some good stuff so check that out so let me ask um, you a question uh okay. batman black and white volume three like if this is volume three how long have we been how long have they been doing this version of Batman, and how does it fit in with the rest of Batman comics? So Batman Black and White, if I remember, I want to say it started like maybe late 90s or early 2000s. It's been around for a good chunk of time. Um, it's like obviously as a comic book company, they love it because now you can cut down on the art presentation. Uh, they're just quick and simple what-if stories. Sorry, bad phrasing. Not what if, just one and done stories. <laughs> um, they don't necessarily have to fit in. That's the neat part about them. Like, if I remember correctly, I think Neil Gaiman did a famous one. Uh, so he did a Batman black and white, and he might have even had, I think, Brian Boland. So, like, as you can see, like, these comics pull in big names, you know, because it's like, you know, like, let's say David Finch is like, man, I really want to do Batman, but I can't commit 
to, you know, the whole monthly schedule. Hey, come on in, do an issue, do two or three, and, and you're good. You know, scratch that itch. Uh, but so anyways, yeah, if I remember correctly, I think Guyman and uh, 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 Bolin got together and they did a story about this guy. He, like, just gets in an elevator and he's picturing all the different ways he would kill Batman. Like, he's like, yeah, I would just get to the top of a building, hang out, and one of these days I'm going to see Batman, you know, hanging out like a gargoyle and pop him in the head. And they draw it, you know, like you can see, like, Batman getting his brains uh, splattered all over the place. And you're just like, what? Uh, so they don't necessarily have to fit in. But they can, you know, like all of a sudden, like a writer might want to come back and be like, you know what? I want to do a lost chapter or I need to change or explain something. And then that's that's just the venue to do it. But overall, it's just probably a celebration of writing and art come together in the form of Batman. Okay. Um, what's interesting though, is the effect that it's had. So over at Marvel comics, they're doing Wolverine black, white, and blood, or maybe they did call it black, white, and red. So it's the same premise. And even DC is going to start doing Superman red and blue with the same idea. So, uh, it's, it's definitely grown. Um, it's just comics for the sake of comics without continuity anymore. Cause uh, you could see a Batman 66 style adventure in there or who knows what, <laughs> Well, let's see. Uh, moving along. So speaking of going to other worlds of Batman, uh, Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn. Number five will be out. So this takes us into the wonderful world of Sean Murphy's uh, crazy creations. And uh, he is one of the writers on this one, but he is not the sole writer. Uh, Harley Quinn will definitely be the focus on this one. And as we look at the main cover, you can see Red Hood. So Jason Todd fans, if you want to get some more action, definitely check that out. So even though that in the first Batman white knight uh storyline we saw the tombstone of jason todd the first robin according to that story uh he's not dead (laughs) possibly like i mean unless they're doing a a bait and switch here but i see that little bit of white streak in his hair so they probably did the same thing as the the main dc universe did where it's like hey jason todd's uh it's gonna hurt but you'll be alive (laughs) (laughs) He's the uh, Jerry of the Robins. You go through all that pain <laughs> for <laughs> life. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, swinging into the future of things, Future State continues on. Aquaman issue two will be out, so we get to see the grown-up adventures of Aquaman's daughter and the former Aqualad as they take over the legacy of Aquaman. Uh, future State will swing into Batman Superman number two. Now, this one I highly recommend because Gene Lun Yang will continue on writing the actual Batman Superman book. So I think what he lays down here will actually continue on after the Future State event is done. Future State Dark Detective number four will be out. Uh, so this will wrap up what's going on with Bruce Wayne. Why is he dead? Why does he wear hockey pads and all that fun stuff? Uh, there is a Brian Bolin variant cover. And again, why do I why do I speak so highly of Brian Bolin? He is an amazing artist. Um, you've seen his art. You just didn't know it. And in case you were majorly curious, uh, he was the artist on The Killing Joke. So he's he's been all over the place. Uh, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Uh, Future State Legion of Superheroes number two will be out. Once again, this is another book that I would say keep an eye on because Brian Michael Bendis will continue to write the Legion as uh, the DC Universe goes into its next stage. Future State Suicide Squad number two will be out. Um, If you're a fan of Peacemaker, this might be a book to definitely check out. You've got Peacemaker, Superboy, 
and some of the Earth 3 Justice League wannabe heroes uh, all coming together. Uh, as we cheat and look at the uh, variant cover, we get to see Black Manta, Cheetah, Mirror Master, Evil Star. Uh, so definitely a, a nice gathering of rogues of the DC Universe. And plus... Who knows what Peacemaker is going to look like? Uh, I think we talked about this in one of our previous episodes. Like, Peacemaker has like what, maybe 15 appearances in his lifespan, <laughs> and he's just going to blow up because John Cena and James Gunn. So, uh, if you want to get an idea of what the character might be like, might become, check out the Future State Suicide Squad. I mean, we also have to take into account that I mean, if I might be remembering this, remembering this incorrectly, but isn't Peacemaker also the analog for uh, the comedian? Wasn't he yes, who the comedian was based off of? Yep, that is 100% correct. Yeah, because he was a uh, Peacemaker, was one of the Charlton heroes, and then Alan Moore was like, ooh, you guys got new toys, I want to break them. And Dick Gordiano was like, hell no, I love these characters. So you <laughs> so, can yep, make they, uh, versions of them. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's why he's the comedian, because the Peacemaker is so ridiculous. I love peace so much, I'll fight for it. And it's like, is that a joke? Yeah, <laughs> because only a comedian would think that way. <laughs> Uh, let's see. And then we've got future state Superman house of L. This is a one shot. And again, this might be a big one to pick up because Philip Kennedy Johnson will be the new writer of Superman proper. So if you want to get some of the uh, groundwork and what he's planning on doing, I would definitely say, check this one out. Uh, future state Superman versus imperious Lex will be out again. I don't know if this one will, because I don't, I don't know what Mark Russell has planned. Generations Forged will be out. Uh, this continues the Generations Shattered story. Um, if you remember correctly, fans, in the uh, 80th anniversary 100-page Giants that DC was doing for their uh, 1,000 issues and, and anniversaries, uh, they would have these kind of, I, I want to say, Golden Age stories that were in there, and they were supposed to lead to the idea of G5, but that got canceled and changed out. Um, but there was just too much art and story to get thrown away. So they recycled it. Uh, so the idea is commandy has been tasked by booster gold of the future to save the timeline. And in his journeys, he winds up picking a 1939 Batman steel, uh, right fresh from his first appearance, Starfire in her early days, a Green Lantern who happens to be Sinestro, Superboy from his time with the Legion of Superheroes, Dr. Light right during her first appearance in The Crisis, and a young first appearing Booster Gold. And that ragtag team of heroes is going to save the timeline. Um, that was actually one of the books that I got to do my review for, so I got an advanced reading. I I don't know had higher hopes for the book i guess and so after reading it i was kind of a little bummed like it plants some seeds and it creates a brand new word to explain the potential of the dc universe but i just don't feel like it's important enough that it will matter so uh if you want to have like a fun big comic to read then pick it up if you bought part one pick it up so you can see the conclusion but I just don't know if it's going to have that big of an impact on the DC comics proper. So Very interesting we'll that they uh, bring in commandy though. Like it's, it's not often that we hear, we get stories of commandy or anthro for that, for that matter. But like commandy, the last boy, I don't think I've ever read a story with him in it. <laughs> right. Um, 
he's just never been a character that I got into. I know he's a Jack Kirby creation and people go Gaga for him, but yeah, I just, I didn't care to see a young boy in, uh, jean shorts run around fighting dinosaur men. <laughs> it just <laughs> wasn't my cup of tea. <clears throat> Aria, yeah, I just learned how to drink coffee. Uh, let's see. <laughs> right into the lungs. Uh, yep, exactly. Uh, here's a fun one. And this is something that kind of gets me mad with DC, but so we are getting crisis on multiple earths, book one crossing over. So this is a neat trade paperback series that will highlight all the original JLA, JSA team-ups during the Silver Age. So these are some of the comics that are actually responsible for bringing back our Golden Age greats. Um, I bought into the series when it was originally created, and I have all the volumes and even the the bonus team-up ones, but they just, like DC does, stops. So not sure what to tell you, fans, because... Should you buy it? Should you rebuy it? Or should you wait? And that's going to be the tough part because if you wait, these will sell out and they won't reprint them again. So then you have to pay a lot on the secondary market. Uh, they're beautiful stories, but beware they are Silver Age. So sometimes there is a lot more speak than there is art. Now, was it called Crisis on Multiple Earths when it first came out? Or was that a throw on t- uh, title afterwards when they just put all the stories together? It's a throw-on title after the fact. Uh, they they created that for the uh, trade paperback series right here. That's what I thought. But the actual team-ups did come up with the idea of it being called Crisis because I think it was this first team-up that's being referenced here with them holding hands in front of the uh, crystal ball, mm-hmm. summons, summoning the JSA. If I remember correctly, I think that was called Crisis on Earth 1 and Earth 2. So... The crisis tagline has been there in some shape or form, but it wasn't as fancy as saying crisis on multiple earths. But it was it was the crisis on infinite earths that came first. And then they were like, hey, we have these other stories that we called crisis. We should call it crisis on multiple earths. Yeah. So the, the original stories did use the word crisis, which inspired the title for crisis on infinite earths, which then in turn re- inspired the collected editions to say crisis on multiple earths. <laughs> That's what I thought. All right. Yeah. Cool crisis in the uh, editing department <laughs> uh, let's see if you picked up joker war and you want to get some of the other adventures then definitely check out the joker war saga hardcover and this will collect a lot of the one shots uh if you want to meet more of nubia nubia will be getting her own real one uh trade paperback and so what this is going to be is a brand new direct kind of graphic novel that's going to feature the character in a brand new story so i can't say that it's necessarily going to tie into her origins but as we've seen with the dc universe sometimes outside factors are strong enough when they shape brand new characters so who knows you might read this story and then all of a sudden it could be popular enough that a lot of her uh adventures actually do come into her mainstream series uh, Superman by Grant Morrison will be collected in an omnibus hardcover edition. So these will be the first 18 issues of action comics as written by Grant Morrison. So this will be a collection of his adventures there. Now, I always find this interesting because there's kind of a Grant Morrison trilogy in reverse that does or doesn't exist if you want to pretend or not. Uh, so the idea is if we take the adventures of Superman from DC 1 million 
So why did he end up in the sun so he could become golden in the one millionth month of the future? Well, we don't know. And that's why All-Star Superman happened, because yeah, that story ends with him going to the sun. So now we learn that. And then, of course, well, why was he that style of Superman? Why did he act that way? Well, because now we go to this, quote unquote, Superman year one, as presented by Grant Morrison, that explains his kind of carefree uh, attitude and his, you know, heroic heroisms. So it's, it's kind of a neat trilogy universe. I'm glad it finally got collected because I do have the absolute all-star Superman and the 1 million omnibus. So this is definitely going to be sitting right there with it for this. Uh, maybe it really exists or maybe I want it to really exist trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is a fun book that I know both Mitch and I really enjoy, uh, Tales from the Dark Multiverse. So this will collect um, the most recent what-if-style Elseworld uh, adventures of evil going on in the DC Universe. So we will have an evil Omax-style Blue Beetle from uh, Infinite Crisis, <clears throat> a Lois Lane who uh, really got warped by the death of Superman. Uh, an evil Azrael Batman Ooh. from the Nightfall saga, who eventually we find out even more about him. And then a black death, white life, Sinestro Lantern in a horrible mishmash of the uh, Blackest Night. And then Tara from the, uh, uh, what was that saga? The, the Judas Contract, Judas where contract, she really yeah. did betray the uh, Titans. So uh, if you want to see twisted takes on those stories, definitely check it out for sure. So that's going to be the mega list from DC. So they're definitely having a, uh, a power week. Now let's go ahead and flip on over to the other side and see what Marvel's going to have for us. So Marvel books will be out this Wednesday. Uh, so we are at amazing Spider-Man issue 60 of the current Nick Spencer run. And I'm not going to lie. This cover is, has me interested just because it's Spider-Man and Mary Jane. Um, are we finally going to get some uh, uh, resolve from the whole one more day, one moment in time, or is just this Nick? Or is this just Nick Spencer saying, "Hey, I'm going to keep bleeding out this idea, <laughs> so you'll keep buying my run." Are those, Sorry to be cynical about it, but yeah. Are, those, are those also octopus arms, or is that scorpion tail? No, they're more these like little centipede style things because that's supposed to be Harry in his new uh, form uh, of I think Kindred or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a headache. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't have to buy these issues. <laughs> All right, let's see. Moving along from that, uh, Black Cat issue two will be out. Uh, or sorry, Black Cat issue two is getting a second printing uh, because, as we are knowing, this is part of the King and Black tie-in. So there's definitely something going on there. And as I cheat, looking at the spoiler play page uh, for the cover, it looks like uh, good old Black Cat is actually going to get some light powers. So she might be able to help stop Noel in the darkness that is coming. Or sorry, that's already here. Yeah. Um, which is perfectly tied in because Black Cat issue three will be out. So you can get two parts of the King and Black storyline. Black now, Panther for issue, the, the cover or for the uh, for ugh. Number two, the reprinting of number two. Are they reprinting yes. uh, variant covers that were out the first time, or are they making new covers for the second printing? So usually the the uh, method that they do is the second print variant cover is the spoiler page from that issue. Mm. 
like when they did Daredevil issue 25 recently with the second uh, second print cover, that featured the first page with Elektra just dressed as Daredevil. Got so that's kind of what they try to do. So right here we can see Black Camp, Black Cat, but what's going on with that staff with the two snakes and this whole, I don't know, maybe Asgardian looking costume. So, you know, something happened and that's what that's what will definitely tie into that. So if you were a hard, hard, hardcore collector, you would get all the the variant, the cover and the variant covers from the first printing, and then the second printing variant covers. You, you know, I, I used to be bad like that. Uh, like I was very happy that for a major story that I appreciate, Green Lantern um, Rebirth, I have everything like i bought all the printings all the variants uh, i even bought the dollar comic versions just so i could say i technically have it all um <coughs> but like daredevil for example has taught me that is a foolish quest because in case you didn't know fans and i don't know if you know this too mitch comic stores are actually starting to make their own variants yep um there's two comic shops that come to mind i think it's frankie's comics and unknown comics and they make their own covers and it's just like, what the heck, dude? Like, so you might potentially wind up buying 30 copies of the same comic just to have those covers. So uh, I am not that hardcore anymore. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's crazy out there. Uh, I do know there are fans. Uh, they, you know, even I'll talk with Diana at FanQuest and, you know, she'll be like, yeah, there's a couple people that will be like, get me as many covers as you can. Um I know I did that for uh, DC Rebirth. I loved that comic. I thought it was great, and I managed to get most of the printings. Um, I, I think I'm only missing one. And then I was going to do the same thing for the uh, Marvel. I think they called it Marvel Legacy. I was excited about that because I thought that was going to be the uh, the Marvel equivalent, and that was a Erdable comic, and I bought like three copies. Luckily, I didn't get more. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's hit or miss. So you you know, to each their own. And I would recommend if you do go down that path, do it for the love of a character you like. But even better yet, do it for the love of the art you want. Uh, that way, you can someday maybe have a house. <laughs> All right, let's see. Moving along, uh, Black Panther issue 27 will be out featuring uh, Teneste Coates and his adventures. Uh, we've got Captain Marvel featured in the Marvel's snapshots. So good old Mark Wade will be giving us a uh, flashback story to Carol uh, in her Miss Marvel days. So we'll see what's going to happen there. Uh, we also have, speaking of which, Daredevil issue 25 is getting a third printing. So <laughs> as you can see here, um, all they did was, so this was the big spoiler page, as you can see. Well, not you, the listener, but they had the big spoiler page where Elektra jumps down from a building in her makeshift Daredevil costume. So that was the big spoiler page. So when they did the second printing, they had it in color. Now they're doing the third printing where they did it in black and white. And not only that, but then they are doing this uh, uh, Peach Momoko variant cover. Um, you know, beautiful art, but as you can see with that price tag, $100. So, yeah, that is definitely uh, – I'm not going to be chasing that down. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Daredevil. The reason I justify is because technically that's Electra. So there we go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
Uh, let's see. Namer issue four will be out, which also continues the King and Black storyline. Uh, King and Black Planet of the Symbiotes number one will get a second printing, along with Return of the Valkyries number one getting a second printing, which is just in time because Return of the Valkyries vol- issue three will be out. So we're getting a lot of uh, King and Black tie-ins. So again, shop wisely. Uh, Maestro War and Pax issue two will be out. Uh, so the once famous future Hulk will be getting more adventures. The Magnificent Miss Marvel issue 18 will be out as well. Marvel Voices Legacy will be out. Uh, this one will definitely focus on uh, superheroes of color and all their adventures as written by various uh, comic creators inside the industry and outside the industry. Uh, there is a very beautiful cover B, which features Monica Rambeau, either as Spectrum, Captain Marvel, Photon, or whatever name you like to appreciate her by. Uh, so definitely, you know, that's one that could be an investment because she is going to be a major character, but we'll talk about that as we get there. Um, let's see. What else do we have? New Mutants issue 16 will be out. Sword issue two is getting a second printing. Uh, this is part of the King and Black tie-in. And now I stress to you, this sword is not the same sword that you're seeing in WandaVision. Uh, Symbiote Spider-Man King in Black Part 4 will be out. This is a what if in a different world if the King in Black storyline happened. So it's the adventure going on right now told in a Elseworlds what if style. Seems very the odd Union- to, to do that like simultaneously. You know, it, it is weird, but at the same time, it's kind of neat. Um, I would be invested, but I just I don't trust Peter David anymore. <laughs> Not to talk bad about a creator I like, but just after the way he did Ben Riley, I'm kind of like I don't know if I can uh, invest that much in you, buddy. <laughs> but I think it is neat. I'm I'm glad that they're really starting to get their uh, wheels spinning that much faster instead of waiting like oh, 15 years ago we did this story. Let's do a what if. <laughs> uh, the Union issue three will be out, uh, which takes us to the British superheroes. Newest Agent Issue 3 comes out as well. Uh, we talked about that great. one. We talked about that yeah. one when, the, when number, the first issue was coming out and uh, how... we. I, I mean, I really don't know if... And I don't know if you know if they had planned to have this one come out now with the Falcon Winter Soldier show already supposedly, supposed to have been out at this point or if they made this one knowing that it within the last year, knowing that the... Falcon Winter Soldier got pushed back. I would say they definitely made this to, to capitalize on the show happening right now. Uh, just comics are faster than television, so they, they were able to keep theirs on schedule due to COVID-19 as opposed to the TV production. So I think that was the plan. But I think this also works out better for them because they did earlier a Falcon Winter Soldier uh, miniseries. So now you could take that miniseries, this U.S. Agent miniseries, wrap them up in another trade and sell it just in time for the TV show. So, I was going to say, do you think that people should read this U.S. Agent uh, storyline uh, comic book before they watch the show? I, you know, I would say with it being Christopher Priest, I think he's probably going to stick more to the lore of the uh, comic book character instead of trying to write him in the vein of the potential tv show version okay so i mean if if you're a comic book fan definitely read it if you love this character if you're new 
pick it up because this is probably going to be more the uh, defining era for the character if he gets published in future stuff, you know. So I would say that one. I've been keeping a track or keeping track or keeping an eye on John Walker, U.S. agent, like tangentially since he showed up in new Avengers in that one run. Like this is obviously after his first appearance, but when he tried to put together that Avengers team that, uh, consisted of, uh, him and the human torch, the robot and, uh, what was it? Atomic skull? I think. Oh yeah. The invaders. Yeah. When he, yeah, when it, he made his version of the invaders. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I've kept an eye on it at one point. He was, uh, what the, the, uh, warden for, the slab that and and was in the thunderbolts book and he'd lost an arm and leg and like it i think he's an interesting character and i i can't wait to see what they do with him in the live action version um so it i i think i might go and pick up this book and trade just yeah i mean i can definitely say christopher priest is a great writer so you're not gonna you're not gonna be let down in that venue um, so, you know, with you, with you already having a fondness for the character, I think this is definitely going to be a story that can build him up and make him look better, uh, while still kind of staying true to his, his voice. If you, if you catch my drift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so definitely, yeah, no, it's, it looks good. You know, I'm not going to lie. Part of me wishes I read it, but you know, uh, time and money have, have been a lot scarcer recently. So, <laughs> uh, that's why Mitch will be reading it for me. <laughs> There's your homework, buddy. <laughs> All right, let's see. Moving along. Uh, Wolverine issue 10 will be out. Uh, we have X-Men issue 18. Uh, this is part of the post, um, sword of our X of swords. So we're going to see some new adventures leading us into the next initiative. So let me ask um, you about that first before you you, you move on. Uh, the X Men books. Uh, I mean, when I was reading comics, I, I definitely kept up with the X Men books and and what the mutants were up to. I really feel like, I mean, and I'm not reading them, so I, I I have I really have no place to talk. But like, I have no idea what is actually going on with X Men at this point. Like after Powers of X and what was the other one called? Uh, House of X and Power, yeah. House of X and Powers of Ten. Yeah, House of X and Powers of Ten. Yep. And now Sword of X. Like, it definitely sounds like from the way you and other people, even Rafa, were talking, you know, talking about these storylines. It's it's great stuff, but like, I just feel so lost that I don't want to jump into it. Like, what are the X Men stories doing right now? So basically, the the premise is. Um, and it's it, it does feel engulfing because you're like, well, I have to read X Men, I have to read X Force, I have to read Marauders, and all this and that. But if anything, I think it's great because they've gotten a bigger scope, so that more characters are getting published. Because this is probably the first time we've seen this many X Men characters be on comic book pages monthly, as opposed to, all right, here's your X Men team, good luck. Um, so the mutants have have worked with Krakoa and themselves to form their own mutant state, uh, Krakoa, with their own language, their own charter, and everything. So they're doing what they can for themselves, which kind of makes it seem selfish just because they're very much like, well, do we want to get involved with the Marvel events and stuff like that, as we're seeing with King and Black, where it's like, hey – 
you know, it sounds like it's kind of your problem. We don't want to jump in there, but the X-Men are supposed to be heroes. Um, and that's what I kind of like because I, myself, like I did read uh, house of X and powers of 10, just because that is the Genesis of what is happening. Mm-hmm. And then what I like about that is then you pick a character <coughs> character or team or whatever, and then you follow it. So that's, what's been kind of neat about this. So like, obviously I follow Cyclops. So that's why I've just reading, been reading the main X-Men book. Uh, sadly, he's not as featured in it as Hickman was kind of saying he would have been. Uh, so I do read cable every now and then just because there are moments where Cyclops pops up there, which is exciting. Um, I know you as a beast fan, I think, I, I think in our, our own personal chats, I shared that uh, article where it's like, like beast is going off the rails right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, you know, if you're up for a villain arc with beast, I would definitely say, yeah, check it out. Like you could probably just read the X-Force book and then get all that. But what's exciting is it's like, Hey, you know, right now beast is being published. Uh, I think Colossus is in one of the team books. Nightcrawler is going to get a brand new book. Um, so, you know, it's, it fills engulfing, but what's nice is it is connected, but it's not forced that you have to read it. So it's nice because like elements of other books will be, uh, shared, but it's not forced mandatory reading that you have to do. So I think that's great the way they did that because even with the, um, like I said, I did all of house of X and powers of 10. I bought all those issues. Uh, I've only been buying X-Men and even when they did the uh, X of swords, I just bought the X-Men books and the, the few tie-ins that I felt were like, like the alpha and Omega book. And that was about it. And I still got enough of the story to understand it and enjoy it. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a fun thing. It feels like a pick your, you know, pick your adventure type book, but you can just let a character be your guide. Cool. All right. So there you go. Yeah. So definitely worthwhile, crazy stuff. Uh, let's see. All right. So moving along, just talking quick collected editions, uh, Captain America, Sam Wilson, complete collection will be out. Uh, this one is an interesting book because this kind of ties in with the idea of quote unquote Westview. So if you want to see the, uh, town that everybody thought was gonna be happening in wandavision check it out uh we get to see sam wilson as captain america the return of young steve rogers who will eventually become steve and also some winter soldier action howard the duck is finally getting his own marvel masterwork and just to remind you folks we don't have the mcu without howard the duck so uh yeah that's right you know what else <laughs> Uh, Miles Morales ultimatum trade paperback will be out continuing the collected adventures of his own stories set in the 616. If you like nepotism, definitely check out Spider-Man bloodline, uh, because JJ Abrams managed to get his son, Henry Abrams, a chance at writing Spider-Man. Uh, please don't support that book. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but that's about it. So a lot of crazy issues coming out of the Marvel universe. So that is your spinner rack. Uh, save your wallet is your mission. <laughs> <laughs> and that was quite the spinner rack. So with that being said, let's move into WandaVision episode seven, breaking the fourth wall, I believe is what it's called. It's either break the fourth wall or breaking the fourth wall. Uh, it, we're going to spoil it. So if you hadn't watched it, please uh, pause it. Come back. Uh, what did you think of the reveal of Agnes being Agatha Harkness. Definitely something that we had talked about several times before. You know, so it was interesting because I, I, I mean, I liked the episode, but I, I guess I just don't feel as giddy 
as I think I should feel. Uh, because when the reveal happened, it was kind of like, well, yeah, I get it. But I, you know, I'm a, I'm a comic book fan. So, you know, that, that, that wasn't as big a thing for me. Uh, it was exciting to see Monica, you know, display powers. That was cool. Um, and her, her uh, guess- sword outfit definitely is, is very reminiscent or homage to her, uh, photon spectrum outfit. So her comic book outfit. Yep. Yeah. So they're definitely, they're definitely setting that up, which is fantastic. Um, I guess probably what throws me off is I don't watch enough of modern family. <laughs> I don't watch modern family. So like the episode, like I get the style, but it was just kind of like, Eh, so I, I didn't really know what to pick up. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the style was. I guess that's where I got lost. I mean, Modern Family, The Office, Parks and Rec, the whole talking to the camera, having confessional episodes, stuff like that. It, it, it definitely pulled more from Modern Family than it did the other two. But the the whole the whole opening sequence for Wandavision the TV series uh, was definitely The Office. You could tell like <laughs> the way that they were doing that. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I wish they would have done. Um, I, I feel bad because I don't know the actor's name, Randall Park. But I wish they would have had a. What's that? Randall Park. Oh, okay, is that okay? I wish they would have like had somebody call him like Jim. I think that would have been funny, <laughs> uh, just because I have an office super fan, so that would have been fun in that regard. Uh, but I mean, overall, it was a good episode. I was bummed because I, I guess I must have fallen for it. There was that graphic out there saying, "Oh, the final three episodes are going to be an hour each." And I sat down with a good dinner to watch it, and like the episode was done, and I was like, "Wait, what?" You know, so maybe maybe I got WandaVisioned and it shut down early, but yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, one episode, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we we had Meh. all we had all ta- we talked about that, and a lot of people were saying that, and we were talking with a few other people. We were hoping maybe there is a tenth episode that no one knew about that's going to be an hour long because we all we're being told right now that there's only nine episodes of WandaVision. What if eight, nine, and then all of a sudden a 10th episode that came out of nowhere? That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Like I said, you could still use the title Wonder Vision. Uh, If you get what I'm hinting at, that would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So uh, we we saw that Wanda, or not Wanda, um, uh, Monica got her powers, or at least are displaying her powers at the moment. What did you think of her abilities? Like, what do you know of Spectrum, uh, Photon, Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau, and her powers? So the way I've known her, like, I I knew she was named Captain Marvel. um, And I've often wondered about that. Like, well, was that just, like, carrying on a legacy? Because to me, it felt like Monica has light-based powers. Mm -hmm. So, like... Like, you know, that's why she's able to fly around through space. She can fly at crazy super speeds. Uh, She can manipulate energy and things like that. Uh, But even then, that questions my knowledge of, well, what do I really know about Captain Marvel, Uh, either Marvel or Carol? Uh, But, yeah, I've always I've always just kind of seen her as like Dr. Light of the DC universe. Like she's able to manipulate those energies, um, you know, things across uh, uh, spectrum waves, telecommunications, light base and, and items like that. Uh, she could piggyback off satellites, you know, like, Oh, if I want to shoot out in a space, I could, you know, ride along these waves and things like that. So that's how I've always kind of viewed her. So, yeah, obviously her being able to manipulate light and uh, look at the spectrum of light, uh, however you want to do it. And, going up against the energy that obviously Wanda is, is ex, uh, expelling. 
she was able to hold her own. So she is going to be a formidable um, power set as opposed to what Wanda has. So that's that's going to be interesting. And now, now, do you think this is merely because she's gone into the hex several times? Or do you think this is going to be something that happened before uh, she was blipped away? I hope that they keep it that this that, that her powers were latent and then that her body had to protect itself and that's why they came up. Because if they really basically say like she got her powers through Wanda's hex, I'd be kind of bummed about that. I'm not gonna lie. I think so too. And I think that you would have to explain then how Darcy or or you wouldn't have to explain, but you would have to then give powers to Darcy and everybody else that went into the hex. Like now that they all have it. But yeah, it it would definitely have to it might be a thing where it'll be, you know, a latent X gene that is now being uh, manipulated by Wanda's powers or uh, energized, so to speak. And maybe at the end of this, instead of just Westview and now the surrounding areas of Westview, it, it encompasses the whole world like a, a a blast that goes out over the whole world. Then everybody who gets hit by it and they if they have a latent or x gene that is buried we'll get superpowers or we'll get we'll get our x-men we'll get our mutants essentially yeah it'll be it'll be interesting so um but yeah i I definitely hope they explore they they give us like something from captain marvel like oh maybe she does have kree based powers i think Mm -hmm. that'd be cool uh what did you think of uh the the unfortunate reveal of the aerospace engineer that she had been talking to <laughs> on the phone. Uh, for some reason, we very much had, I, I think us and just about everybody else on the internet thought this is going to be someone the way that they kept referring to it on the phone, the way they kept, she kept not mentioning the person's name and keeping it secretive. Like, Oh, it means it's going to be a character that we all know, or at least know somewhat of, and is going to be important to the Marvel comics in general, uh, ended up being someone that they created for this show, uh, a major goodner. I, I know it's goodner. I, I'm, I think major is the, the rank that they were given, but, uh, it just seemed like oh cool i mean i i don't know it <laughs> unless I, I did see some we talked about it in the geeks watch um someone mentioning what if that is the 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 young scroll that uh monica befriend when she was uh young in the captain marvel movie you know that that, that could be something i so it's funny because I, I I get like our hopes sometimes confuse our logic because uh, that's where I'm at with Wonder Man. Like I'm like, ooh, there's got to be some reason. There's got to be something because I want it so badly. Right. And I kind of feel like Marvel, you know, the MCU is definitely doing that. Like, oh, hey, you know, we know people want the Fantastic Four so bad that they can taste it. Um so I, I I wasn't surprised that it was no like not to say it in a mean way, but you know, I'm surprised it was nobody. You know, it's just a character in that world that we didn't know. So it makes sense because with this being Marvel's first television show, quote unquote television, like what are the rules? What are the parameters? You know, like how how much do they want to introduce and things like that? Like there is no set precedent for um how to do this, but I just feel like the Fantastic Four I don't feel like they're going to get introduced in a TV show. No, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think that was going to happen. 
And and that might be more because of I wanted uh, it to be Blue Marble. I wanted that character to show up. Um, I think having the Fantastic Four sh- show up at the end of this could be the right way to do it. But as a throwaway in the middle of the ser- series, yes, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I, there's going to be too much that they're going to end. Even then, if we think about it. Like you could argue that, okay, because of Monica's um, investigative nature into the uh, happenings of the Marvel universe, that maybe that's why it should have been read. But like you said right there, Blue Marvel's the better connection and Blue Marvel's the better character introduced that way because you know the Fantastic Four, you could make a movie and it'll probably do pretty well. Blue Marvel, he's a risky character because same thing, you know, he only has a handful of comics. Will he be popular enough to garner attention? But this could be a great way to already have the attention and then introduce another character that we want to follow. So, uh, Agnes is revealed. (laughs) What did you think of, of her song and theme song and uh you know i also killed sparky like it's all very tongue-in-cheek and 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 slapsticky uh how did you feel about that you know it it definitely it was funny you know it was just kind of like okay here's a, a pause in the break it it felt very goofy because knowing like from what i've experienced of her character she's not a a hilarious character but I know that actress is. So it's like, okay, well, we're taking a title and letting a, a, an actor, actress take the character down the street they want. And it's like, okay, you know, that that would be like if, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, Picard, uh, Xavier, I can't think of the actor's name, Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. You know, that'd be like, hey, let's let Patrick Stewart play Deadpool. Well, you're probably not going to have what we're used to, you know, it's, it's going to be very different. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought it was funny. It was sad about the sparky bit, um, but I also enjoyed getting to see her. Uh, I think it was episode four. So it was kind of neat seeing some scenes again, but from a different point of view. Right. Like I thought it was great when you, you saw her in the car dressed as a witch and when she's talking to Vision and then he's, you know, he turns and he starts monologuing and she's like laughing, doing her lipstick. It was like, oh, that's pretty funny, you know. <laughs> Uh, also with, uh, with talking about vision, you know, he wakes up in the middle of the field. He's near the circus that is now in town, which is made up of old sword agents. Um, he sees Darcy and he knew that Darcy was the only one that was trying to help him, uh, when he was dying, so to speak. So he, uh, uses his power of being able to take people out of the Wanda trance, which I, st- I still want an explanation to that. Like, do you think that that's going to be a thing because he was created by the Mind Stone and what is, is was her powers given to her by the Mind Stone? Um, I always thought, okay, so the Mind Stone was in the Scepter, correct? Right, correct. So, and I well, think, yeah, I think Strucker it, did he, it, I think they did have the Was the, the Mind Stone in the Scepter? I can't remember. Because, yes, the Scepter gave Wanda and Pietro their power. I think they they would touch the Scepter to your head, and that's when you'd start like, oh, I'll do whatever Loki wanted me to do. Right. So I think that kind of is the draw why they're connected um, for this MCU business. So I, you know, it's... 
it's so tough because my comic book brain keeps telling me like, no, this is the way it is. But the, 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 the TV shows have, and the movies have changed it. So it's like, you know, like, well, will they ever go to the classic origin or will they just stay with their own? So it's like, there's definitely a lot of infinity stone references. So I think they do want to keep it in play, but it will be interesting to see what's going to happen and what is what in terms of the stones and their, uh, catalytic nature of this MCU. So Darcy then remembers who she is and she's excited, but also weary about, cause she was like, ah, I wanted to be a guest spot on one division, but, uh, not like this. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so the two of them go back towards town, but they keep running into obstacles because he suspects that it's Wanda that's trying to keep him away, but I suspect that it's actually Agnes. Like, she's the one throwing things in the way to keep him from going, even though he has the power to fly. Like, he gets stuck up in the fact that he's in a TV show too much, which (laughs) I think is hilarious. Uh, What happens when Vision finally gets to the house, do you think? You know, that's going to be interesting because... Like listening to Wanda in the episode, she's like, well, if he doesn't want to be here, I can't force him to stay. Like, it sounds like she's mad at him. Um, and it makes sense because if their last confrontation, you know, they're, they're flying at each other. And then the next confrontation is it's Halloween and he's essentially lying to her. Um, so I, I, I think the goal is vision's going to try to set everybody free and the tough part's going to be is he's going to learn he's going to have to sacrifice himself and Wanda's going to have to come to grips with, do I want to sacrifice him? So, um, you know, he, he knows their love is there because Darcy reaffirms that she's like, Hey, I've been watching you guys and your love is very pure. Uh, so it, they're going to try to save each other. How they can come out of it is going to be interesting. Um, so I'm very, very curious to see what will happen in that regard. Um, I don't know. Like, it will yeah, when they first see each other, will it be a fight? Um, I imagine it probably will be a fight, and then the kids are going to be the ones to stop it. So that way we get to see a little bit more of Billy's power and what's going on with this whole, like, it's noisy in my head, it's quiet, you're quiet, that type of stuff. And – uh Wanda's powers are definitely on the fritz because she has expelled way too much energy in making the the hex larger. So everything is uh glitching uh to previous versions of what it was in the house. So we have that going on. And then eventually the reveal that Agnes is Agatha Harkness, uh, a character we know from the comic books, um and who is a witch in her own right and if not more powerful, just as powerful as, as Wanda and has been the one that's been manipulating her, uh, most of this time. At least that's what we're led to believe at this moment. Uh, talk about the commercial, the Nexus. Uh, what did you think of that? So that one threw me off a little bit. Um, because again, like I said, I've been, I've been buying into this. I, I really feel like the, uh, the commercials are nods to the infinity stones. Mm -hmm. So the Nexus definitely plays a lot better with it being the, uh, God, what was the red one? Now I forgot. Uh, The ether. uh, Yeah. The ether. Like it, that feels like it plays better that way, but the paper towel one definitely felt like the ether. So with Nexus, like 
I, I know that actually has been used in Marvel comics, like that phrasing of Nexus, just because it's kind of like, it's a point of intersection between all realities. And that's what helps make up the uh, multiverse. Uh, it's a man thing. thing. <laughs> um, so it's definitely something that he's been playing with at some points. He's even the nexus between realities. Um, like if you go back to heroes reborn, the return, like he's able to help uh, Franklin open the gateways and stuff like that. So it is a comic book thing, uh, but it's not an infinity stone. But at the same time, the Infinity Stones as we know them are not what they should have been. Like a Cosmic Cube is not a is not an Infinity Stone. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. I think this is introducing a new concept. And I think that's what's going to help us go into the idea of this whole multiverse idea. So I, I like if it stays true to its comic book style. Yeah, that's almost like the portal that you can be like, oh, well, I want to go to uh, – 1602 with the medieval Avengers, or I want to go to MC two with the, with the daughter of Spider-Man stuff like that. So the last thing I think we should probably bring up is the, the book, the magical book that is found in, um, Agatha's house. If, if you watched agents of shield or runaways, uh, in, in those two shows, which were, Marvel television shows, which had tangential connections to uh, the MCU, you would know they had the Darkhold. The Darkhold was a uh, magical book. Now, I don't think this is supposed to be the same book. There, There's references to other magical books in the Marvel universe, so to speak. So I don't know uh. if this is supposed to be the Darkhold or not, um, but it's definitely a a book, a powerful book of of magic, and it could be something that could be brought in to uh, summon Mephisto, bring him into uh, this realm, kind of thing. If if the Mephisto rumors are all true, yeah, no, that could that could definitely be something there. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very curious, like how will that book play out? You know, that'll be that'll be pretty wild. So I, I'm trying to remember what's the book uh, Doctor Strange always has. You know, because he's always saying wild stuff by the by the visions of Ashante, by the uh, hairy armpits of Arnold. You know, whatever. <laughs> so I feel like, oh, maybe this is the dark version of that spell book. You know, that leads to all the dark magic. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I can't remember what what his his tome is called, but yeah. So overall, yeah. I want to I say that uh, this episode, I still enjoyed it, and I'm glad that we had it, but it wasn't as good as the other episodes of the season. Uh, it wasn't as impactful. There, It definitely felt like a filler episode, even though we got the big reveal of Agnes uh, being Agatha Harkness. I just feel like it was so telegraphed. Uh, and I don't think that's just for people that read comic books. I think it just felt like a very telegraphed thing that it, uh, it, it didn't hit as hard as it should have. Yeah, no, that's, that's where I felt. It was like, well, is it because I'm a comic book fan that that revelation didn't hit me as hard? Um, but you know, yeah, it just didn't. I mean, it was a fun episode, but it wasn't like the others where I watched and I was like, oh my God, that was insane. <laughs> uh, okay, so going from there, we are going to talk about three characters that have been introduced to us as fans in 
the WandaVision TV series. It is Billy, Tommy, and now Agatha Harkness. So as a one-on-one for each one of these characters, what can you tell us about the creation of the twins and the governess that is known throughout the MCU as a witch. Now, I think it's very interesting that Agatha Harkness was introduced as the governess for Franklin Richards, one of the most powerful. Uh, now, I know like the Wikipedia's and the the wikis for um, Marvel characters they they regulate like X Men are human mutants, and then there's like mutant humans. Or like they they definitely separate the two. Mutate, yeah, yeah mutate because like Spider Man yeah. is a human mutate, whereas Iceman is a human mutant, right? Yes, yeah. So Franklin Richards would yeah, so be it's, a it's, human mutate. Well, he used to be. Um, I know they just did a story recently that that is funny. They did an X Men Fantastic Four team up that basically was the mutants of Krakoa were like, um, Nate, come live with us. We'll keep you safe. And of course, Reed and Sue are like, No, that's our kid. We can take care of him. And they're like, Oh, really? You can take care of him, huh? Okay. Um, then I think they did a recent issue that, yeah, and it might have been in the Fantastic Four book that basically says, No, uh, 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 Franklin is not a mutant after all. So it's like, wait, what? So it's, uh, it, it's a thing of the times, you know, uh, I always liked the idea that he was a mutant, but I also like the idea that he was way more powerful than a mutant like, mm-hmm. for the most intense. It's like, it sounds like the kid's going to grow up to be a sentinel. And I can at least think of like three different futures where Franklin grows up to be the next Galactus, you know? So it's like, well, you know, so it, it just depends on what a writer wants to do and then what the next writer wants to do or undo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he doesn't necessarily, he doesn't have an X gene, right? Like he does, he's not that kind of mutant. Well, but it's probably not, probably not played out that way because for the most part, it's like, well, with him being a young child, he has hours. So it's like, oh, well, then he must be a mutant. But it's like, well, very few mutants have their powers at birth. Right. You know, like Nightcrawler and Mystique are probably like the only two. Most of them develop in their teenage years. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I guess it was just always interesting because... I know the Fantastic Four gain their powers through science. Um, I think it's neat that Franklin is born with his powers, so he kind of gains his powers through nature. And then here comes Agatha as magic. So it's kind of like, you know, it's got to be fun. Like, I'm sure if you read those original adventures, like, Reed's probably thinking this lady Agatha is full of crap. It's like, no, you can get your silly sorcery out of here. I'm a man of science. But then it's like, oh, really, Mr. Unstable Molecules? Does that sound correct? <laughs> uh, okay, so when 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 is the creation date for each one of these characters? Okay, well, since we were just talking about Agatha, let's stay there. So Agatha has her very first comic book appearance in Fantastic Four, issue 94. Uh, so that actually means she is a Stan and Jack creation all the way back in January of 1970. Pick that issue up before it gets hot. <laughs> <laughs> but introduced uh, as a not a evil character, not a villain, correct? Yeah, no, she was just the. Uh, I mean, when they drew her, they added the you know uh, Kirby added the influence of darkness to her. 
So it's kind of like, oh, you know, is she? But it was just the nature of her abilities. But mm-hmm. no, she just came in as, you know, she's the nanny and she's going to take care of Franklin. And, you know, she she did a great job. And she's probably the only person who'd be willing to hang out in the Baxter building and deal with all the craziness that happens with them. Okay. Uh, we later know that she interacts with, with, uh, Wanda, uh, after the birth of Billy and Tommy. Uh, I mean, I know I'm skipping quite a bit of her story, but as it's related to this, she's, uh, is she under the influence of Mephisto or is she working with Mephisto when she makes Wanda forget? So, okay, we're talking about, okay, so no, she's actually, so she's always been her, her, her own entity. She doesn't really tie into Mephisto, um, but the thing is, and she does care deeply for Wanda. Like she is a mentor towards Wanda and helped her go from just being a mutant who can alter probability to actually understanding and manipulating chaos magic. So, you know, it's, it's that love between a mentor and their mentee, um, so Wanda has just gone through sheer hell in the Avengers West Coast book with Vision being disassembled and recreated without his personality. And then to discover that the two children are actually uh, missing souls from part of a demon uh, who is connected to Mephisto. So once Mephisto gets those fragments back that ends the children. And now Wanda has got to deal with all of that on her own. So Agatha felt, Hey, best way to spare her. This pain is to have not acknowledged it. So the intentions are kind, but it's, you know, it's, it's putting a bandaid over cancer. So it's like, well, I'll help you feel good for the moment, but in the end, it's not really going to stop what happened. I mean, Um, this all sounds very familiar to a certain identity crisis when, uh, (laughs) something very terrible happens to elongated man's wife. And I, I don't know why Sue, Sue Dibney, and they make her forget, uh, make everybody forget that the events of that happen. So that's, that's interesting in that symmetry way. Yeah, you know, there there is definitely a, a connection between that. Uh, so chaos magic. But that's what I like about it. It, it has that monkey's paw curse to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you ask for a wish and it's like, oh, you know, I wish for all the tastiest foods in the world, but they're going to be unhealthy for you. You know, so it's like, oh, this is great, but it's bad. You know, so I, I like that idea that it's like, yeah, you know, when you mess with these magics, there's going to be a price to pay. And by Agatha doing that to wanda by trying to spare her in the end as we saw in avengers disassembled wanda goes off her rocker and is like you did what to me okay you know and and she basically murders uh agatha and leaves her body to you know to rot in her home and it's just like holy crap that's insane you know uh but between john burns avengers west coast where agatha makes um Wanda forget and Avengers disassembled by, 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 by Brian Michael Bendis uh, where Wanda kills Agatha in Avengers volume three. We do have some great moments uh, with Wanda and Agatha teaming up because Agatha helps Wanda process the fact that, yeah, you were able to bring somebody back to life. So, you know, like they, they definitely explored more of this chaos magic and, you know, that's where they even tried to take Liberty and say like, Oh, maybe, maybe it's not just 
probability altering. Maybe she really is a chaos magic based mutant. And I think I also saw somewhere that when um, Agatha has her son brought back to life, he then enthralls a whole city uh, the same way that Wanda has enthralled uh, Westview. That could be. It's not something that's ringing a bell in my head, so I I, I don't know if that's. Uh, let me see I don't know where can, that happened. Let me let me see if I can find it again. But um, I mean, t- talk about the fact that uh, Agatha teaches Wanda how to harness her powers more. Yeah, so I'd say definitely. Um, if you go in, there's a maxi series, a Vision and the Scarlet Witch, and it kind of takes a year of their life after their marriage, um, and so. You know, there's definitely going to be some training homages in that one. Uh, an interesting bit with Wanda and Agatha, uh, it was years later. And this is after, because uh, Clint Barton Hawkeye was killed during the disassembled story. And then he was resurrected in House of M. Uh, he was killed there again. And then he luckily was resurrected after the fact. And so Clint doesn't know what to do because he's just so pissed off at Wanda, but he also loves her and cares about her. So later on, he does track Wanda down and she's living in this small village near Wondagore mountain. Uh, and he finds her, but she has no clue who she is or what she is. She's just a, you know, a, a woman living in the town. And she's like, Oh yeah. You know, I live with my aunt Agatha in a small apartment. So there's definitely a fondness there to the point where even though Wanda is, is not remembering everything, she's still clings to aunt Agatha. Uh, so at that point point Hawkeye sleeps with her and then decides to leave. So I don't know what his, his plan was, but <laughs> I guess he doesn't miss the mark of given the opportunity. <laughs> so the, the character I am referring to is Nicholas scratch. Uh, apparently he is a foe of the fantastic four. He is a foe of, of Hellcat Patsy Walker. Um, it says here that, uh, Nicholas Scratch is the son of Agatha Harkness and was a resident of the the secret New Salem, Colorado community populated by magic users. Agatha left the reclusive community to live among normal people and in time even became a nanny for Franklin Richards and son of Reed uh, Franklin Richards. Um, Scratch became the new leader of New, Sa- new Salem uh, and led the community to believe that it had been betrayed by Harkness through her dealings with the outside world. The New, new Salem witches then abducted Agatha for her trial and execution. Okay, and that makes sense because I was listening to something. And uh, do you remember the name of the little rabbit? Scratch. Senor Scratchy. Senor Scratchy, you're right. So did we just uncover maybe uh, something that's going to be going on here? I, I don't know if we're pulling at threads that are there to be pulled at or if we're, uh, if we're taking good cloth and tearing at it. <laughs> um, you know, that's because clearly he's not a major character, but sometimes that's what's neat is to take these characters and make them bigger. Uh, because, again, we haven't seen Agatha's husband in, in our – sorry, we haven't seen Agnes's husband in mm-hmm. the TV show, um, but she is – the character of Agatha Harkness is married, but we don't know if she's divorced, widowed or separated. So it kind of plays to that ability as well again, you know? Um, but yeah, there, the, the senior scratchy scratch thing, I definitely say, keep a, you know, 
uh, let, let's let's attach some string to that on our string board and make it part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it does says that one of his notable uh, pieces of equipment that he uses is the Satan staff, a mystical power object that served as a focus for Scratchy's magical powers, although he could employ his powers without the staff. So there's your Satan Mephisto connection, possibly. <laughs> yeah. That'll be interesting to see. <laughs> uh, let's see. Just, just talking about the character in, in cuff, I would recommend if you wanted to read about her, um, definitely go back and uh, read vision quest in Avengers West coast. So that would take place in issues 42, 43, 44 and 45. Um, just because in issue 45, that's when we see the whole, mind wipe esque action happen. So, you know, it's up to you to decide if you feel that was a bad thing or not. Um, as we take a look, uh, I couldn't tell you which issues of vision and the Scarlet witch to particularly read just because I haven't read that series myself, but you know, that could be fun for fans to dive into. Uh, the first time I was ever exposed to Agatha Harthness would be Avengers volume three issues, 10 and 11. Uh, I thought that was great. They definitely presented her in a, better character light in my opinion. And that's where she kind of helps Wanda deal with her emerging powers and how she's even more tapping into the chaos magic and manipulating it to her own needs. So, uh, Riverdale or Archie comics is their own thing, right? Yes. They're not part of Marvel in any way, right? Oh, because apparently they also have a character named Nicholas Scratch, who is a w- warlock uh, sorcerer. That's since that's going to be interesting. Uh, that that sounds like we've got a Captain Marvel uh, scenario brewing here in modern times. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the he, power of Scratch. <laughs> he apparently uh, showed up in the the Chilling Adventures of uh, Sabrina on the net on Netflix show. Um, Damn, that's interesting. I don't know. Is Scratch like another name for the devil? Is that like another a, a, a thing? The only the only thing I could think of is just the fact that you know black cats and they scratch. That's just about all I can pull at. That's that's that's, that's the the strings the straw you're going to be reaching for. That's, that's all I can give you. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, so let, let's move on to the twins then. Uh, Billy and Tommy. They were first created. All right, so this is interesting. So uh, if we start with, so they're they're both twins, but I'm going to go with the oldest. So that would be William Kaplan, aka Billy. Uh, we first discovered him as as Guardian way back in Young Avengers number one, April of 2005. Uh, then by issue six, he decides to change his name to um, Wiccan. So that's that that's where we get the uh, name that we're used to. Um, <clears throat> then in that. When they were created in that uh, West Coast Avengers book, were they not given names? Well, I was I was gonna I was gonna double back to that. Oh, so sorry. I'll, if you, I'll, I'll come to that in a moment. Um, so yeah, so we get Billy Kaplan. Uh, we we discover him as, and even then, I noticed that uh, Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung. Which, by the way, I forgot to mention that uh, they did receive creator credits in this ep- this latest episode of WandaVision. So I thought that was pretty cool that they've been added to the list. So now the big question is when or why not John Byrne? But that'll be a discussion for later. Uh, so anyways, I thought it was pretty cool that they made sure to call him Billy 
so that throws us off to the question you just asked me. Uh, then if we jump over to the other side of the fence, Thomas Shepard, a.k.a. Tommy, um, and he was given the clever nickname of Speed, which I thought was funny because he just like his original costume looked like Impulse. It was just green instead of red. Yeah. Um, so he makes his first appearance in Young Avengers number 10 back in March of 2006. Uh, that's when they kind of start playing with the idea. Oh, you guys look like twins. And now we're starting to see, well, wait a minute. You have a magic based and a speed based set of characters that sounds like a famous pair of twins in the fact of wandavision and quicksilver so those are their current first appearances now this is always a tough argument because when do you count their first appearance so if you count them as the babies then i would say jump all the way back to vision and the scarlet witch volume 2 issue 12 uh, which was published back in september of 1986 and that's when it happened the birth of the twins. Um, so they did call them Billy and Tommy, but years later when we see them in uh, Avengers West coast, when John Byrne was writing it, he really referenced them more as William and Thomas, hmm. which I found funny because it's like, those are very adult names very. for babies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So if you are out there on the collector market, I would say go pick up vision and Scarlet, which number, Twelve, just so you could have that. But if you definitely are looking for a uh, character drama story, I would say pick up Young Avengers. Uh, I know I did when it first came out. I loved it. I, I think you also enjoyed it too. Uh, it was just such a fantastic uh, continuation of the legacy of the Avengers because at this point, Avengers disassembled happened and there were no heroes because we hadn't gotten the Young Avengers quite yet. Um, so I thought it was great to see these kids step up into these new legacies. Yeah. When we first, uh, and that, that was my first introduction to these characters was in young Avengers. And I loved that version or that story because that first cover has your Hulk character, your Thor character, your Iron Man character, and your, uh, was it Captain America? America? Yeah. Your Captain America <laughs> character, which then made up your second team, first team. Because the, the Captain America wasn't a part of the first in the first issue of Avengers, correct? Uh, he wasn't in the first issue, but he's still part of the like he's the first member to join the team after they've formed. So then, right after you get that, we get our Hawkeye character, and then we get our uh, Wanda and Pietro character because you have uh, Billy changing his name to Wiccan as opposed to being a Thor character. And then you have, uh, speed showing up to be in your Pietro character, right? Yeah, no, there's definitely, I never looked at it that way. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Oh, and so I forgot statue. We get, well, yeah. So that's, what's neat is, you know, if you, if you look at them, you get the first team of Avengers and then eventually you get the caps quirky quartet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's pretty cool. I, I didn't that that really wow. I, I didn't catch that. So that's a cool catch. Um, but yeah, they were they were they were such a neat team. Like I love the fact that uh, stature. Um, I can't think of her secret identity name, but she was kind of like Cassie. There we go. Like she was created in the comics, and she was just like, oh, here's this kid. Uh, and then most of the time, it would be, well, these are the adventures of Scott Lang. And we acknowledge the fact that he's got a kid, uh, but Cassie didn't really have anything of her own. And luckily when they did MC two, 
we got to see her grow up and be a hero. Uh, but then unfortunately the MCU just MC two did not catch. So she was left to being whatever. Uh, but then thankfully young Avengers came along and was like, no, let's, let's give her some powers. Let's give her some abilities. Uh, so I thought that was really neat. And she got a great focus there. Now, the other thing that I know about Billy and, uh, cause when I was still reading comic books, uh, at one point in time when Dr. Strange lost the title of the Sorcerer Supreme, he was one of the people that was in contention. And he, I remember him having like a lunch with uh, Dr. Strange when they were like looking for the next Sorcerer Supreme. And, you know, he, his powers, though magic based, were very interesting. Like, he didn't he have to like sit there and keep repeating the same thing over that he wanted to have have happen? Like, wasn't that how his powers worked? Yeah, because he didn't he didn't understand the spells. So when he would do magic, it was like make us teleport, make us teleport, make us teleport, make us teleport. Kind of you know that that old cheesy trope of <laughs> make it happen, make it happen, make it happen. You know, uh, playing off to that. So yeah, he didn't he didn't have the full mastery of even just being able to conjure it in his head. He had to verbalize it to make it real. Uh, so they've definitely shown him grow since then. Uh, he, obviously he did not become the Sorcerer Supreme. I think out of that storyline is when we got Dr. Voodoo becoming the new Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, since then it's reverted back to <laughs> Dr. Strange, but, uh, I just thought it was interesting to include him in that, uh, essentially saying that he is powerful enough to, uh, to eventually, co- uh, claim that title. Yeah, no, I thought that was pretty cool um, that they got to play with that. And actually, I think, and now this is this is pulling out a wild, um, wild story that not many people know about, because um, I think there is a world where Tommy is. Tommy uh, or it's Billy? Called the last, uh, Billy, I mean, sorry. There is a story called The Last Avengers Story. Now, this was huge because this came out in November of 95. And it almost is kind of like Kingdom Come for the Avengers before Kingdom Come happens. Wow. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so uh, it's the world is totally screwed up. But what I find interesting about this story is... Uh, I'll I'll quote this from the Wikipedia with many of the old Avengers, such as Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, Quicksilver, and the Scarlet Witch, either dead or missing for years. Henry Pym reluctantly forms another team. The unit consists of his wife, the wasp Hawkeye and his wife, Mockingbird, the mutant cannonball sorcerer, Tommy Maximoff, who is the son of vision and Scarlet Witch, Jesse Wingfoot, the daughter of She-Hulk and Wyatt Wingfoot, and two mercenaries called Hotshot and Bombshell, supposed children of Black Knight and Hercules, respectively. Um, so if I remember correctly, I think in this world, Tommy is the uh, uh, the Sorcerer Supreme. So essentially, yeah. they just they, they push Tommy and Billy together to make one character, um, giving uh, which makes sense because you have, uh, you, like you said... Th- them being referred to as Thomas and William at one point and no idea of what their powers would have been. And this is out, this is a story that comes out before uh, young Avengers was even probably a thought. Uh, So, so you, they didn't, they hadn't assigned a magic goes to Billy and speed goes to Tommy. So uh, Tommy or Thomas becomes Tommy Maximoff and he has magic powers, which makes sense. 
Yeah, and I tell you, if you want a weird story, definitely check that one out. It's uh, it's got some beautiful art by Ariel Alvaretti, if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. But wow, what a what a twist! <laughs> who was the writer on this? Uh, Peter David. So this is back when you could trust him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he loves to show up with the kids. Like he has all the storylines with the kids, and then but I mean, then he goes and does Ben Riley. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I was so happy that could have been something. <laughs> um, okay, so that, that I am going to check out that story. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, since Children's Crusade, which was the last thing I think I read with uh, Tommy and Billy in there, what are some good storylines that have to do with them? Because Empire is all about Billy and his boyfriend Teddy's story, correct? Yeah, that is definitely the. Uh, Romeo and Juliet set in the Kree Scroll War of the modern universe. So, yeah, uh, Empire just ended recently. So that's definitely worth checking out for uh, Billy centric stories. Um, let's see. If we look at Tommy, uh, he got to play <clears throat> in the next volume of Young Avengers, uh, Young Avengers, I guess classically called Volume Two. Uh, so he had some stuff there. He got to be mentioned in Empire. Um, kind of just as a background laughing bit of character. Uh, they mention him, they, they put something down here for Krakoa. So definitely if you pick up X factor uh, issue six of the new series, you'll get a little bit of him there and issue seven as well. So he has made it to Krakoa. Now, whether he'll be accepted and gets to stay or not is a different question. Um, so that's definitely on the Tommy side of things uh, for the Billy side of things. Like you, you nailed it right there. Empire is definitely the way to, to pick it up. Uh, I would recommend also picking up strike force, um, which was kind of a weird collection of Marvel superheroes. Like winter soldier was there. Uh, Monica was there. Photon. She was there as well. Um, I can't remember everybody off the top of my head. Uh, but anyways, they, they definitely made a, uh, a, a strong play there. So definitely pick that up. I think it was like an eight or 10 issue series, uh, strike force. And then let's see after empire, uh, we really haven't seen anything yet. So, uh, definitely check out empire aftermath Avengers, because that'll either have the wedding with wicked and Hulkling, or it'll be the after of their wedding. Um, I think I have a, a strong guess, but I think Guardians of the Galaxy, I think issue 12, is going to change the way we look at Marvel space. So Teddy is kind of looked at as the um, space empire overlord, if that makes sense for a title. Uh, so definitely he's going to be something to watch. And I think he's going to influence the Guardians of the Galaxy. So you might find Teddy and Billy popping up in Guardians of the Galaxy. Very cool. Okay. Uh, there was, there was something else that I was going to throw in there about, uh, Billy or Tommy. Oh, there was, it was the young, it was, there was a book that was a companion to, uh, young Avengers, which was called young masters of evil, which was also a really good book. And like, cause the Avengers, their, uh, longtime rivals would have been the masters of evil. Correct. Yes. And they had a book where this, I think the guy was a mutant and he called himself the Melter and he didn't want to be bad, but he ended up like, 
like just turning people like killing people on accident and so he's like okay i guess i'm a bad guy kind of thing uh and i I never kept up with the book but uh, i thought it was a really good book when i when i did read it so that was that's definitely something everybody should uh check out when you were scrolling through uh billy kaplan's uh stats over there uh his speed at the bottom it went from two to seven now is that like a a thing saying that he also has super speed like his brother or is it going to be that both of them have uh the ability to do the same or is it oh is it teleporting teleportation so on his own he's pretty quick he's at a two but thanks to the ability of teleportation yep he is the fastest because you can just pop up there that makes sense that makes sense but wouldn't that be interesting if they both shared the, the the powers they just didn't know that they could both do the, each other's powers um that would be a wild twist i just hope tommy doesn't learn that because he's already impulsive enough as it is now you're giving him the the magic ability so <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of rabbits and empty pizza boxes left across the uh, 616 universe <laughs> so what do you expect from these three characters in the next two episodes of wandavision um, so I think, I think what's going to be interesting is I feel like we're going to have a uh, turn for Agatha or for Agnes. Like, I think, you know, it's like, oh, this is a good character to pin the villain title on. Uh, but in the end, I don't think she's going to be the villain just because she's never been evil. She's always been a good character. So I, I feel like, you know, like in this case, she is not the be all end all. Like they're, they're definitely subbing her for somebody else. Um, will it be Mephisto? Will it be Grim Reaper? Uh, who could it be? I don't know, but I, I feel we're going to see a, a redemption of sorts for Agatha in this. Hopefully she brings Sparky back. Um, yeah. As for the two boys, I really, I, I was looking at a lot of stuff. So I think, I think, I would expect young Avengers sometime soon Uh, just because in the Hawkeye show, we do have Kate Uh, we've seen Cassie and she was recently recasted uh, Mm -hmm. by another actress. So there's two of the team members rumor has it. We might see Patriot in winter soldier or sorry, Falcon and winter soldier. So you got three of your characters. The twins puts us at five. Um, So the only thing I think we're missing is iron lad, AKA, uh, uh, Kang. And then, so and he's been really being talked about for young or for Ant-Man and the quantum catastrophe or whatever they're calling it. <laughs> quantum uh, man. Uh, there we go. I was close enough. See, I just made it up. <laughs> uh, so maybe there could be some play there, which could be interesting because that could be another way to bring vision back as Jonas, uh, one of the forgotten young Avenger members. Uh, but that opens up a whole nother can of worms too. Um, but I think I, I definitely can see Billy and Tommy uh, growing up to be part of the young Avengers, which I think could be another, be another phase uh, for the MCU, which honestly would be a perfect show for Disney plus because with it being young heroes of all, all, all variations, I think that's such a wide net that you can get a huge fan base of characters to, you know, find the hero that they cling to. So I think that would be a smart move on Marvel's part. And how, how do and well, the one, one that is missing is Teddy. So how do we get the, 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 the son of a, Cree princess and a scroll prince or was it the other way around well isn't he the son of uh 
let's see, Hulkland, he's the son of Captain Marvel, right? If I remember correctly. Is he and actually the son of Captain Marvel? I didn't think he was the son of Captain Marvel. I think he was, because I could have sworn I made a, a, a joke to you where I was like, oh, yeah, he's a. Uh, uh, he's uh, your Captain Marvel, your favorite cat. Yeah, Marvel is his father, who's deceased, and Princess Anel is his mother, who's also deceased. So oh, that wow. means Guinness is his half half brother. Yeah, technically his father. <laughs> uh, you know, that's where uh, Captain Marvel too. You know, maybe maybe uh, Photon she winds up taking the kids. And she's like, hey, you know, come live with us in S.W.O.R.D. because your mom's too crazy. And then on Wild S.W.O.R.D. Adventures, they're in space. And, you know, Tommy or I mean, Billy just happens to look over and he he catches a very beautiful looking uh, Cree scroll baby. And he's like, hey, how are you doing? He'll cast a spell, please fall in love, please fall in love, please fall in love. And there you go. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure by the time this show is over. They are going to age up at least one more time and be around the age of 21. <laughs> so uh, 18 or 21 or something like that. And we will get our young Avengers uh, down the line. So, okay. Uh, any, no, I, do I you want to, I'm sorry, what? I was going to say, I could definitely agree to that. Yes. Uh, do you want to recap real quick uh, the storyline, the story, the books people should read if they want a better uh, knowledge of these three characters? Sure. So if you would like to explore the uh, wildness that is Wanda and Vision, then I would say your best bet is to start off with um, Giant Size Avengers number four, which is the wedding of Scarlet Witch and Vision. Then I would recommend their first miniseries, which is a four-parter, Vision and the Scarlet Witch, which is also followed up by Vision and the Scarlet Witch, the maxi series. So that was a 12-issue series. Uh, recently, Marvel has put out a trade paperback called Vision and the Scarlet Witch, which features beautiful Alex Ross art that will collect the marriage and the two miniseries, along with Avengers West Coach issue two that deals with some of the uh, uh, fallout from Wonder Man. So that is a one-stop book that will give you everything. I would then recommend going over and getting the uh, recently released epic collection Vision Quest of Avengers West Coast, which explores the idea of Vision being disassembled and then the loss of the children and the mind wiping of Wanda. Uh, I would then say, and this one's going to be hard because it's out of print, but there's a, a trade paperback called Darker Than Scarlet, uh, which explores uh, Scarlet Witch going evil because at this point she's like, she blames humanity and she's like, you know what? By trying to be a hero, all you did was you took away my children and my husband. So now she embraces the dark theories of Magneto and becomes evil. So that's definitely fun. Uh, I would then suggest uh, if you want to get a, I guess this is for my own selfish benefit, but I would say go in and check out Avengers volume three uh, issues three, four, 10, 11, and last one coming in at uh, 23, and you'll get to see some of the uh, love triangle between Wanda, Vision, and Wonder Man. Uh, so that's definitely some fun stuff. Leading all the way up to um, Avengers Disassembled, 
leading into Young Avengers, and then I would suggest reading Avengers, or sorry, Young Avengers, The Children Crusade, uh, just so you could kind of see Wanda and her children reunited. That way it doesn't always end on a grim note. And that's about as small a list as I can make that complicated uh, <laughs> actually no almost 50 year saga. <laughs> I mean that's quite it's quite the list and but it is quite the saga like you said. Um yeah and then also as the, for more current uh, current things you could definitely check out uh Young Avengers, Young Avengers Children's Crusade and Empire uh, to see what it is up with uh Billy and Tommy. Okay. That's a long episode for us, but we will be back here next week to talk about the next episode of WandaVision. Uh, if you want to talk to me and have any extra information you'd like to hear, uh, you'd like to give me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Chris, where can people find you online? Uh, you can definitely find me on Twitter as well. My handle is stuff I should say should being spelled S-H-U-D. Uh, check out geeklymedia.com and AIPTcomics.com for my writings and uh, sharing of comic book love. Uh, the rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geeklymedia.com. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash geeklymedia. You will only get uh, select things that only patrons of ours will get if you are a patron. And then whatever podcatcher you listen to, uh, listen to us on, please rate and review us so that you can help spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geekly Media Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.